Hello, everyone. This is Pastor Tony, and today is Wednesday, January the 13th. Our devotional today will be based on Proverbs chapter 15, verse 1. The title of the message is Wisdom and What We Say and How We Say It. Let's begin with prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you, Lord, knowing that this is a day that you have made. We pray, Father God, that we would seek your wisdom in all that we say and all that we do. And Lord, that you would guide our time as we go through your word today and as we apply it to our lives. We want to honor you in all that we say and all that we do. So we ask these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 1. In the ESV, it reads this way, A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. And the King James Version reads, A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. Now, grievous meaning causing severe pain, suffering, or sorrow. Now, our ongoing study of wisdom that's found in the Psalms and the book of Proverbs has been a great blessing to me and my family, and I hope to you and your families as well. Biblical wisdom can be defined as skillful living in relation to God, and we call this our vertical relationship, and in relation to one another, meaning our horizontal relationships. Wisdom from above has been provided to us in God's word, the Bible which teaches us both what we should do and what we should not do. The Bible also provides wisdom for the decisions that we make in life, including how to speak to one another, what to say and how to say it. That's because our speech, as we will see, is actually a reflection of our relationship with God. And as I read and meditated on Proverbs 15.1, I thought about a particular time uh, in Israel's history. When the nation of Israel and thus the people of God were experiencing major transition. Now we know that transitions or any major change in our lives can be difficult. It can cause great anxiety and may even be frightening at times. But we're instructed as the people of God in Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. See, this major transition in the history of God's chosen people, Israel, caused them to walk down a new path. The nation had gone through a, period, a long period of relative uh, stability, uh, prosperity, and growth. And during this period, King David reigned 40 years, and he was followed by his son Solomon, who also reigned as the king of Israel for 40 years. God was faithful to the covenant that he had made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You see, they were flourishing in the land that God had promised to give to them under these two kings. But as Solomon grew old, at the end of his life, we see that the aged king did not remain faithful to God, to God's will or to the covenant. And so, because God is true to his word, the kingdom of Israel would, in short order, 
be divided. You can read about this in 1 Kings chapter 11. Israel, also known as Ephraim, would become the north kingdom, and Judah would become the southern kingdom. Jeroboam would be ruler of the ten tribes in the north, and Rehoboam, Solomon's son, would be king over two tribes, Judah and Benjamin, in the south. Now, with that as our backdrop, we pick up the story in 2 Chronicles chapter 10. Now, First and Second Chronicles can be found right after First and Second Kings in the Old Testament. So if you have a Bible handy, you can follow along or you can just listen carefully as I read what is recorded in God's Word. Second Chronicles um, chapter 10, beginning at verse 1, and it reads this way. Rehoboam went to Shechem, for all Israel had come to Shechem to make him king. And as soon as Jeroboam, the son of Nebit, heard of it, for he was in Egypt where he had fled from King Solomon, then Jeroboam returned from Egypt. And they sent and called him, and Jeroboam and all Israel came and said to Rehoboam, Your father made our yoke heavy. Now, therefore, lighten the hard service of your father and his heavy yoke on us, and we will serve you. Now, he said to them, come to me again in three days. So the people went away. Now, during this time of major transition, uh, the, the, the death of Solomon occurs and the people meet in Shechem to make Rehoboam king and discuss some issues that uh, they were that, that discuss rather some issues that were under uh, Solomon's leadership and things he needed to work out. Now, the stability, uh, prosperity and growth under Solomon's rule brought with it undesirable issues for the kingdom, you know, such as burdensome taxation and forced labor. This is this heavy yoke that they were talking about that we just read of here in Second uh, Chronicles chapter 10. And so let's, let's pick back up again now at verse 6. Then King Rehoboam took counsel with the old men who had stood before Solomon, his father, while he was yet alive, saying, How do you advise me to answer this people? And they said to him, If you will be good to this people and please them and speak good words to them, then they will be your servants forever. But he abandoned the counsel that the old men gave him and took counsel with the young men who had grown up with him and stood before him. And he said to them, What do you advise that we answer this people who have said to me, Lighten the yoke that your father put on us? Listen to this at verse 10. And the young men who had grown up with him said to him, Thus shall you speak to the people who said to you, your father made your our yoke heavy, but you lighten it for us. Thus shall you say to them, my little finger is thicker than my father's thighs. And now, whereas my father laid on you a heavy yoke, I will add to your yoke. My father disciplined you with whips, but I will discipline you with scorpions. So Jeroboam and all the people came to Rehoboam the third day, as the king said, 
come to me again the third day. Now, when they arrive, uh, Rehoboam uses the counsel that he received from the younger men. He speaks to them in these very harsh words. And what do you think the response was going to be? <laughs> Let's pick it up again at verse 16. Verse 16, beginning at verse 16, reads this way. And when all Israel saw that the king did not listen to them, the people answered the king, what portion have we in David? We have no inheritance in the son of Jesse. Each of you to your tents, O Israel. Look to your own, look now to your own house, David. So all Israel went to their tents. But Rehoboam reigned over the people in Israel who lived in the cities of Judah. Then King Rehoboam sent Haradam, or, or, or Hadaram rather, who was taskmaster over the forced labor. And the people of Israel stoned him to death with stones. And King Rehoboam quickly mounted his chariot to flee to Jerusalem. So Israel has been in rebellion against the house of David to this day, meaning until at, at, the, at the time of this writing. So Proverbs 15.1, our first today, reads again, A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Look, the ten tribes to the north, or in the north, Israel, were willing to at least try to maintain unity within the nation. And I'm sure the, the people of Judah and Benjamin were also willing and desired to maintain unity with their brothers to the north. But wisdom for what to say and how to say it was sorely lacking. And the one person who needed to speak with wisdom on behalf of the entire nation, the leader of the people, King Rehoboam, was not willing to listen to wise counsel. For the scripture says he abandoned the counsel that the old men gave, meaning he checked out and decided he was only going to give an ear to those who would listen to what he wanted them to hear and who would do what he wanted them to do. Now, for a leader to act this way was foolish then and is just as foolish now. A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words, words that cause severe pain, suffering, or sorrow, stir up anger. What can we take away from this extremely important part of history in the nation of Israel? What wisdom for what we say and how we say it can be gleaned from this Old Testament passage? Well, I have three application points for us to consider, and more importantly, for us to, uh, for, for each of us to apply in our lives, beginning with me. Uh, point number one, application point number one is this, take it to the Lord in prayer. Look, seek wisdom from above. The one thing that stands out most for me about King Rehoboam here in the passage is not what he did, but what he didn't do. I mean, there is no mention of the king seeking the counsel of the Lord, whether in personal prayer or by consulting the priest of Israel. 
Now, this lesson of doing things according to the flesh and not according to the spirit shows up often in the scriptures. For example, King Saul's rash oath in 1 Samuel chapter 14, when during a battle with the Philistines said, Cursed be the man who eats food this day. But it turns out that his son, his son, rather, Jonathan, did not hear the oath because he was already battling the Philistines and ate a little bit of honey just to strengthen himself for the battle. But Saul, because of his pride and fearing what the men of his army would think of him if he didn't keep his oath, wanted to have Jonathan, his own son, killed. But the people, the people spoke up. And so the scripture says in 1 Samuel 14, 45, so the people ransomed Jonathan so that he did not die. Look, we should pray for the wisdom that comes from above, which as we read in James chapter 3, verses 17 and 18 is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And the harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Amen. We should apply this wisdom to our very own lives and in our hearts so that it would show up in our speech. Before we take any action, before we even speak, we should take it to the Lord in prayer for our father in heaven listens to and answers prayer. Now, you may not have this vertical relationship with God that I spoke of in the beginning of our devotional today, but you can. You see, we read, uh, we, we, we do read in Romans chapter 10, verses 8 through 10. Look, the word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. But this, that is the word of faith that we proclaim, and I'm proclaiming it to you right now, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Repent of your sins and believe in your heart that Christ Jesus died for your sins and rose again to give us new life and you will be saved. Amen. Point number two, application point number two is this. Ask yourself, is this a recurring issue in my life? Is this a recurring, ask yourself this question, is this a recurring issue in my life? Meaning, do you have a history of answering in a harsh way? Do people tend to shy away from approaching you about a certain issue because they know and you know that they might not like what they're about to hear from you if they bring it up? Now, look, the worst part is that your harsh words more often than not end up hurting the ones that are closest to you and who love you dearly. Now, this recurring issue may be what the Bible calls indwelling sin in Romans chapter 8, verse 13. It's that sin that you just can't seem to have sanctified in your life. The only way to rid ourselves of indwelling sin is to put it to death by the power of the Holy Spirit. 
Now, in his book entitled The Mortification of Sin, John Owen penned these words, which some of you may already be familiar with. He wrote this, be killing sin or sin will be killing you. Look, as Christians, we must put to death sin in our lives daily, brothers and sisters. You cannot approach the issue of indwelling sin in a lazy or passive way. You must actively and intentionally put sin to death, including the sin that is resident in your speech. And if we say we have not sinned, we take we make him that is God a liar and his word is not in us is what John uh, writes in first John chapter one, verse 10. Now, this brings us now to our third and final application point. Our third and final application point. Remember, words do matter. Words do matter. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ says to the Pharisees in Matthew chapter 12, verse 34, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So why do words matter? Well, Jesus goes on to say in verse 35 and following, the good person out of his good treasure brings forth good. And the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. Listen carefully, verse 37. For by your words, you will be justified and by your words, you will be condemned. You see, a person's character, whether good or evil, will show itself in what he or she has to say. A consistent pattern of speech reveals who we are. And as a result, a consistent pattern of a man's actions will reveal who he truly is. Now, for the believer, the scripture says, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your father who is in heaven. This is in Matthew chapter five, verse 16. So to recap. In order for us to have wisdom in what we say and how we say it, we are to remember words do matter because our words serve as an indicator of what is in our hearts and of the character that we possess. Also, we are to do a self-assessment. Ask yourself, do my harsh words point to an issue of indwelling sin? And if so, am I actively putting sin to death day by day in the power of the Holy Spirit? And then finally, and most importantly, take it to the Lord in prayer. Ask the Lord for humility and for the desire to seek after his will for your life. Trust in the Lord. Ask him to, as we sing, show me your ways that I may walk with you. Show me your ways. I put my hope in you. Our heavenly father listens to and answers the prayers of his children. Hallelujah. So with that, let us close in prayer. Thank you, heavenly father, for your steadfast love, for your mercy, 
and your grace. You know our thoughts and our deeds, O oh God. Lead us in the way everlasting and give us the peace that only you can provide. Guide our hearts and sanctify our reckless tongue so that our speech would bless those who hear and would be an encouragement to those in need. This is our prayer, and we ask it in the matchless name of our Lord and Savior and soon returning King, Jesus Christ, the King of kings and Lord of lords. It is in his name we do pray. Amen. I love you, saints. God bless you, and may God keep you.